Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. State of boxing now is kind of crazy. You know, we don't really have the Floyd Mayweathers anymore. He's retired here. He's retired there. We get guys crossing over from MMA. Boxing's kind of all over the place. And, and I think what Abner's going to help us do is, is learn about boxing, obviously, but the more in and outs of the sport and, and things that have become more important as time changes the sport itself. So make sure you listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Again, that is On the Hook with Abner Mares. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends Abner Mares, as you just heard on the Blue Wire Network. We have Indeed, Bet Online, and Rotoviz. Week five is in the books. I felt like we spent most of last week wondering if there would be a week five, and we have survived week five. We are on to week six. How are we doing tonight, Daniel? Well, it's nice to be done with the chaotic week, and I'm guessing our coming weeks probably won't change a whole lot. We're going to have lots of positive tests because obviously the NFL isn't bubbling like the other successful sports we're able to do. Baseball is making it through with a few hiccups here and there, but we're still kind of trying to figure out the the path with COVID in the NFL and, and what the proper things to do. If it's one person, they can sit out and the team plays. If it's 19 people or 25 people or an entire staff or organization, obviously that team probably shouldn't be playing, but whether you delay games or forced forfeits, that doesn't seem like something the NFL is ready to do. So it's a season of chaos, and I have a feeling that this week, even though probably the most chaotic thus far, isn't going to be the most chaotic for the season. Yeah, certainly. And as a commissioner, uh, I have uh, COVID rules in all my leagues that the season has to go seven weeks in order for the season to count, basically. And so as a commissioner, I'm just like, just make it to week seven. Make my life a lot more easier <laughs> if you make it to week seven. Now, one man's life who did just get easier because he's been he has now escaped uh, the dungeon of the New York Jets is one Le'Veon Bell. He has been released mere minutes before we hit the record button on the Night Street Cast this evening. And uh, looking at their depth chart right now, they have Frank Gore. Who would have thought Frank Gore would uh, outlast Le'Veon Bell in, in, in New York? And we have Michael P. Ryan and Ty Johnson, a once Russell Clay favorite. Uh, so we'll start with the Lavian perspective and then we'll move on to the, you know, what's left of the Jets. 
this obviously depends on a lot of where he could go. You know, there's a lot of situations he could go and he would be the RB1 immediately. There's a lot of places he can go where he'd be a timeshare or even just like purely like a passing down back. So what are your thoughts on Bell? Do you think he finds himself in an RB1 role or do you think it's more of a timeshare wherever he goes with it being a midseason transaction? Well, I think there's so few just pure RB1 roles and like bell cow spots now. And, and, and guess what one of them was? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There's so little of that left in in today's NFL. So more likely than not going to be in a committee or best case scenario is he's signed for, you know, essentially the second half of the season to cover for uh, an injury, whether that be uh, Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, you know, there's a reason to believe he could go fill in on those teams that maybe have, maybe the Giants probably don't have much expectations, but a team that maybe is kind of floundering at 500 or or they're above 500, but they're probably out punting their coverage a bit. Uh, and and sign with a team like that with hopes to kind of make a playoff team or, or even just to get some work in to sign another big uh, plentiful contract next offseason, which I don't think will happen at this point for Le'Veon, but uh, I do think that there's plenty of options, to be completely honest. It, you know, as much as we talk crap about the running back position, teams always seem to be interested in them and always seem to be willing to pay them at least something to bring them in. I mean, it took Leonard Fournette all of eight seconds to find a new job, and uh, I don't think it'll take very long for for Le'Veon to, to find a new home either. Yeah, and this isn't necessarily a team that's trying to compete this year, but uh, Ryan McDowell did float the Dolphins play the Jets this mm-hmm. week, and they certainly have RB touches. They they healthy scratched Jordan Howard, so they're clearly not you know enthused with that uh, off season transaction. So maybe they can offset that with an in season transaction. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that we're at least at the very least a few weeks away from wanting to put Le'Veon Bell in your lineups, and it, it's one of those that you. Outside of, you know, I'm trying to think of any like specific scenario where you're just in putting him in week one wherever he starts. I don't think that really exists. So I, I think it's going to be like he's going to prove it, prove his value and show that he's worth, you know, putting in your lineup before you do so. Obviously, if you have bye weeks or injuries or it's a super deep league, those are different stories. But I'm talking about your traditional start eight to ten players. I don't see Le'Veon Bell getting in your lineup outside of, you know, something crazy happening like signing with the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, at least not for a few weeks. It'll take time, obviously, to, to learn a new offense figure out what his role is actually going to be. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, there's, again, there's still a few teams that legitimately could use any human as a running back, uh, but there are a few that still need uh, a potential 1A to maybe a 1B that is currently healthy. So it'll be interesting to see where it lands. It's, it's tough to kind of, you know, guess as to where he's going to be, but there's there's some fun ones still out there. I think I think the Bears probably could be an interesting one as well. Obviously, they do have David Montgomery, and they seem to somewhat like him. They have Tariq Cohen on the IR currently. Uh, I think he's designated to return. I'm not 100. percent No, sure. I'm pretty sure. He's- oh, was it a bad one? Okay, I, I don't remember <laughs> reading exactly what it was. I do know he's on the IR. So, I mean, that could be one. They seem um, they seem to like their guys, but also seem to really struggle with committing to giving them the ball a lot. And that should be a team that should be running the ball uh, a decent amount, considering who's who's back there hucking it. Uh, torn ACL for Tariq Cohen. For ah, yes, he will not be coming <laughs> back in the next few months. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see where, where that plays out. I, I guess, let's say he goes to a neutral situation. Where are you valuing Le'Veon in Dynasty right now? I mean, it'd, it'd be tough to sell for anything less than a first, but honestly, is anyone going to pay more than a first to get Le'Veon? I don't think so. I think I think if you are in the buying mood, it'll probably be something like a mid-second and an upside piece to try to get him before he lands. And I mean, there's a ton of risk in that. Maybe he maybe he goes somewhere and he's just stuck behind a bunch of guys. You know, what happens if he goes to what happens if he goes to like Oakland or if he goes to Tampa? If he goes to as good as New England sounds, they still have a million backs there, and all of them have a job and a role. So as nice as it would be to get Le'Veon in that offense, I don't know that that's a, really a net positive. Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things that he has a very wide variance of what his role ends up being. He could return to being the guy who gets 20 touches a game and, sure. you know, being an RB1. But more likely than not, especially this year, it's more likely, you know, 10 to 12 touches. Hopefully, like, half of those are in the target uh, range. So, yeah. Now let's go to what the Jets have left, which is not much. We have uh, Frank Gore, Michael P. Ryan, Ty Johnson. Obviously, from a dynasty perspective – this is a shot for Michael Pirine. You know, some people liked him coming out of college from out of Florida. But my sense is that this just means that it's Frank Gore's show in a way. Uh, I, I think he will never die. It's a split backfield um, and in a split backfield of a bad offense. So I'm not sure you really want any of these guys in your lineup. But from a dynasty perspective, if Pirine is on your waiver wires, go fix that outside of the, you know, the most shallow leagues. Um, so, yeah, make sure he's not on the waiver wire. And then Gore, if you're a win-now team, Gore might even be on your waiver wire. And he's going to be guaranteed 10 to 12 touches for the rest of the season. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. It'd be it'd be tough to see them trotting out 76-year-old Frank Gore and giving him, like, 16 touches. But I wouldn't put it past Adam Gase. This team is an absolute dumpster fire. The only player I have any interest in is Jameson Crowder at the for the time being, I think Chris Herndon could make that list. But as far as the running backs go, uh, if anyone with any sort of upside makes their way onto the active roster, uh, you mentioned Pierre I think I think that's a decent upside play. He's going to have relatively no, well, probably no cost or relatively cheap cost to add. Might be worth a flyer as an in-bet type guy. Um, but honestly, keep your eyes on on what they do in the next week or so as far as free agents go, because they could bring in somebody else. Well, yeah, uh, but th- this this was the Devonta Freeman rumor all, you know, season. Right. Like, oh, wh- whenever a running back spot opened, it's like, oh, it could be Freeman. But now he was with the Giants, and I think he had a decent week on, like, 17 PBR points. So uh, not that, you know, that Devonta Freeman doesn't matter. Sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so now let's go to what we were, we were going to start the show with, uh, Amir, a few minutes ago, but that got – uh, changed was the Dak news. Dak is out for the season. We have Andy Dalton coming in the helm, and this Cowboys offense was on, uh, running on all cylinders. And the question is, will they continue to be okay, or does this put a halt even with their weapons? Well, I think it's gonna it's gonna volume's gonna take a hit. It's not gonna be the high octane offense. They're gonna slow it down. Uh, quite a bit, I would assume, for Andy Dalton. And that's not to say that, that Andy Dalton can't go out there and do it. We saw him run some some pretty decent offenses in Cincinnati, to be completely honest, and put up some decent points and some decent offenses. Obviously, he's never had the weapons like he has now. He's never had even what's left of a tattered offensive line 
that he has now. Uh, I think the offense still is going to be able to produce at a pretty decent clip. Uh, I think who this hurts the most is probably Amari Cooper. Uh, it seems like it's going to be all CD all the time, as long as he's in the slot, because man, is he absolutely dominating. Uh, Michael Gallup's starting to kind of get a little resurgence, but honestly, this is probably going to be the Zeke slash Pollard show and CD because he's playing in the slot. Now, if they decide to move Amari back inside and, and try to make that work, or they go for more four wide receiver sets and we run two outside, two inside, I could see Amari kind of getting back to it. But if there was ever really a time to try, try to take advantage of namesake, or, uh, you know, recency bias, if there was any prior to the DAC injury, uh, I, I would think maybe now it'd be a decent time to cash out on Amari, not saying that he's not good anymore. But I did make the call in the offseason that I thought it would be Lamb and Gallup moving forward, and Dallas would find a way out of Amari Cooper. And actually the same thing with Pittsburgh and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think both of those things are occurring simultaneously. I'm not sure I'm there yet. I, I mean, it's it's certainly possible, but I even even in a scenario where Mike Cooper's off of the Cowboys, I don't see his value tanking. Like I think he's still going to be. I mean, yes, it, at a certain point, the veteran wide receiver gets diminished because he's entering age 28, age 29. But Mark's not even there yet. So uh, I mean, I for if his value is down at all from a deck injury, um, certainly CD Lamb's uh, value is not hurt by this Dak injury whatsoever. What I do want to talk about Dak a little bit, though, because we were talking about him possibly being the QB2 as uh, as recently as last week. And this is one of those things that that tier was so tight, that tier was so close, that an injury like this and his uncertain future takes him from the top of that tier to the absolute bottom. Like, I'd rather have Watson over him in Dynasty right now, um, even though last week I would have told you categorically that Dak was the better option. But I think that... The injury, as terrible as this is, both sides could want out because of this injury. Dak could want to leave Dallas saying, hey, they didn't give me the long-term contract and I screwed up my knee. I'm going to play for somebody else. And the Cowboys could be like, well, we don't have to pay him, so we might as well let him go because he's hurt. I I think that – I would say it's like 60-40. Dak, his next snap is in a, in a non-Cowboys uniform. I mean, it's it's absolutely possible. And, which, which, which I will say, and before you go, is terrible for his dynasty value. Mm-hmm. The fact that his next app won't be with the Cowboys. I mean, it, it's still a bit of a prediction here. But I, I, I think his hit outside of the Cowboys uniform, outside of C.D. Lamb, Murray Cooper, Michael Gallup. Absolutely. I mean, and we're not talking about like a career ending or fantasy ending hit, but he goes from a top two or three quarterback to just a QB one. And and that is significant value drop, especially when we're talking about super flex league. So uh, right now I, I still have Dak up in that top tier. Uh, I would have him essentially even with Watson at this point, whereas a week ago I would have scoffed at anyone that even tried to offer me Watson for Dak. Uh, I think at this point, the lowest you could go if you were trying to, it would probably be impossible because any Russell Wilson owners are probably in first place in their leagues would be Russell Wilson. Uh, you take the age risk for the upside now. And, uh, I mean, Russ still has plenty left in the tank, too, so it's not like we're talking about a one- or two-year 
you know, fix. That's he's still got plenty of tread left on the tire. So I think if I am moving out of Dak and people are trying to buy on the injury, even if it is at a slight discount, if I can still get a Watson or if I can still get a Russell Wilson, I'm probably doing that just to maintain. Again, most Dak owners, like Russell Wilson owners, are probably playoff teams, are probably uh, doing well so far. So uh, if you are going to take the out and minimize your risk with Dak Prescott, because we don't know his future, we don't know if he's ever going to come back like perfect because of the, the ankle, even though they did say he had a successful surgery. Um, it's nothing's ever a, for certain, right? He, he's not for sure going to come back as a cowboy. He's not for sure going to come back and be the same Dak that we've seen for, you know, his whole careers thus far. So uh, I, I think if you were going to take a discount on a player because of injury, it's probably this type of scenario that is best suited for that. And now let's talk about trading for Andy, Andy Dalton. Obviously, in, in most super like leagues, Andy Dalton was rostered because in the event this happening, his value rises immensely. Uh, I've had people ask me what the most I would give, and I, I think I would give up 201. If if I was a competing team, a QB3 to, to go through injuries in bye weeks, I would give up 201 because this is this this is that good of a situation. And like I like we've talked about Dak's certain uh, on future uh, yeah, Dak's future is uncertain to where there is a non-zero granted probably like a three percent chance but there is a non-zero chance Andy Dalton starts the Cowboys past this season and if you're getting more than a season out of a quarterback that's worth at least a first well yeah I mean realistically when you look at the pieces in this offense Dalton could reasonably be a league winner especially when you consider cost if you can get him for any second uh, I, I think in Superflex obviously I think that's that's an absolute. I think you go and do it, especially if you need QB help. But even if you don't need the QB help, once Dalton starts to get back into kind of game shape and gets everything going, uh, people are going to realize that he's really not that awful of a quarterback. And even just being mediocre in the NFL with these type of weapons is there's so much upside there. So uh, I think I think if the Dalton owner is shopping. Dalton and and is a player or is an owner that's you know out of the running for the playoffs even if, even though it is still early in the season. I think you try to pounce on any any sort of value you can get if it's second round or or less. And now let's hear from our friends over at Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike the other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make sure your search is that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. That's B L U E W I R E. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Chase Claypool, boys and girls. Chase Claypool has arrived, had the big four touchdown, four trip to the end zone day for the Pittsburgh Steelers, leaving Juju Smith Schuster with a measly like four fantasy points. Um, and Deontay Johnson is still very, very not that good. <laughs> so, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, what are your thoughts on after his big day? Uh, I always thought he was going to be more of the move tight end, the the stretch wide receiver, if you will. Uh, he, he's kind of surprised. Obviously, being fed targets helps, but he looks like he belongs. He kind of he kind of looks like what Evan Ingram should have been, the the way he should have been cast. And obviously, they're not the same player, but um, he's looks pretty good. Uh, and and obviously, having a a massive day like that is going to make anyone look good but he's he's starting to kind of get you know pushed into the offense a little bit more he's not you know a lot of the rookies at this stage are still you know kind of getting a feel for the nfl but he was a second round pick man they were were going to get him in there quickly and I, i think you're right i think deontay johnson has been fine but I mean, we were people were talking about him like taking over and the next AB, and you know, why would you draft Juju when you could have Deontay? And I'm not saying Claypool is should get that hype, but I mean, he should probably get close to that hype. He's got actual draft capital spent on him. Uh, what was did, what did Deontay Johnson have for for Jeff? He was like a third round pick. He was third rounder, yeah. Okay, so I mean, not that huge of a difference, but. Uh, you know, obviously the Steelers like him. They're, they're feeding him the ball, and he works well in that type of offense, man. So, I it's a tough offense to call. They like to spread the ball around, but it's been a lot of Claypool and Ebron when we're used to seeing a lot of Juju and what was AB, and for a little while there, Deontay Johnson. So, it's um it, it's definitely a weird one. There's so many what I see as good players or good enough players that that could very well be fantasy producers that it's it's tough to pin one down i i do love the claypool upside and i do still think he's going to be relatively inexpensive even though he had a massive massive day i I still think you'd be able to get him for a decent price but on the other hand i I think it's a really good opportunity to start buying juju smith schuster if you haven't been and i'm not normally one to say go buy juju um, but he's definitely falling down the ranks i don't think he's definitely a consensus wide receiver one anymore um, some might even have him into like the mid wide receiver twos, which is kind of getting a little crazy because he's proven what he can do. So I think, I think if we learn anything from this, it's probably that we're undervaluing Juju and we should probably go start buying. Yeah, I'm all aboard that train. If, if people are undervaluing Juju, they should go buy. Uh, Chase Claypool, two targets, three targets, four targets, 11 targets. Uh, the first few weeks he flashed a little bit, but he wasn't seeing the targets, and now he is. I, now I, I think that it's not going to be every day you see 11 targets and three carries from Chase Claypool. Right. But I, I think that we're going to see him in that six to nine range of, of touches you know, per game, which is about what you would see from a wide receiver, too. 
I hope that that some of those uh, we had Deontay Johnson seeing twenty three targets in the first two games. I hope we end up seeing some of those targets moved a little bit towards Juju and even a little bit towards you know Claypool as well. Um, I do think that you know obviously it there's a bit of a you know comedy factor here, but I think that this is one of the possible winning spots for Le'Veon Bell and he would occupy some targets if he ends up going going there. Probably unlikely, but I do think it's a possibility. But the big takeaway from the Steelers' first four games uh, is that Big and I know we've talked about this a couple times since the start of the season, but Big Ben's back. He is going to be a high-volume producer until his arm falls off, which it looked like it <laughs> fell off last year. I mean, it, in very limited action. It looked like it fell off last year. Um, it did not. Uh, he is playing well, and he is an auto-start, obviously, in, in your leagues. And he is a ben- he's not a uh, he's not hurting his receiving weapons. He's a benef- uh, benefit to his rece- receiving weapons. Most definitely, most most definitely. I think uh, I think one of the reasons I'm a little bit skeptical still on on Claypool, even though I want to love him because I mean he that is your prototypical one. He's what six four and just like I mean that's that's your guy. I get some some. Minus the off the field stuff, some Dorio Green Beckham vibes, and I gotta tell you, I love and hate that feeling. <laughs> That's not a great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you. I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. All right, let's move on. The other Pennsylvania team had their own breakout star uh, this past weekend, and that was one Travis Fulgham. What are, what are your takeaways of his uh, big performance? Uh, hold on here. Let me grab my notes. Who? Um, yeah, all of just out of nowhere, Old Dominion. What do you have? Ten for a buck fifty and a touchdown. So, uh, I and, mean, and someone, back to back week of the touchdown as well. Right. So, I mean, someone has to produce here. No one's healthy. No one's doing anything. The other option's freaking Greg Ward. So, uh, it's either Travis Fulgham or bust. I guess. I think we know what they feel about JJ Arcega Whiteside. Uh, Miles Sanders can only do so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that he's a long-term solution, but at this rate, if he's going to be putting up these kinds of numbers, we should probably we should probably put him on the radar somewhere. Well, certainly, and he's it's one of those things that he's a short-term play, but he is young. So sometimes when short-term plays who are young produce, that artificially inflates their dynasty value. So uh, it's not really happening this week. But let's say he has another couple, another few weeks like this, and then it's like, oh, is Travis Fulgham a you know dynasty wide receiver three? And that's when that's when you sell him. 
Uh, net, but that, what I'm saying is there's the opportunity for that. And at this point, that opportunity is not on your waiver wire anymore. So if you still have waiver bucks and Fulgham's on your waiver wire, now is the time to spend it. You know, get rid of all of it. Take the shot on Fulgham because you're not going to get a better shot the rest of the season unless Dalton is on your Superflex waiver wire, which he's not. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, honest, honestly, I think he's still available in quite a few leagues. So you might be surprised. Yeah, to go no, him. I, 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 I'm, I'm so mad at myself because, and a shout out who's in a number of all of our leagues but like on like saturday afternoon i saw like a bajillion travis fulgham ads I'm like <laughs> what is going on like should i go add travis fulgham and then of course like grants like all my leagues so i couldn't do that but <laughs> but shout out to him he called it a day in advance and he had the big day shout out to travis fulgham and also shout out to our good friends over at bet online the wait is finally over. Football, it's back. Uh, you not, might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship features all day or a day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's right. Get BetOnline and get it now. Kind of like the Texans got the Jags. They showed up, man. They, they came in full force. Yes, Jacksonville was absolutely horrendous, but... Houston kind of looked like a football team. I think it kind of had a little bit of the, we got to shove this in Bill O'Brien's face attitude to it, which you love to see. Uh, David Johnson didn't look horrible. Brandon Cooks, not dead. Will Fuller, still living. I didn't know either one of those players were actually still living. Randall Cobb showed up with a nice little slot day, six for 47. And, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson made a couple of mistakes, but, You'd rather have him taking the chances than not. He put up a nice fantasy day. He had a, a little bit on the ground, but most of his damage is done through the air. So, Nathan, do we do we think this is a sign of things to come with Houston? Was Bill O'Brien really holding them all back this ridiculously? Or is this just kind of a little short-term, hey, let's stick it to the man? I, I think that at least 20% of it is it's the Jack horse. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, if they were playing the Chiefs uh, the game after Bill O'Brien was fired, I think they would have still gotten blown out. Uh, but with with this one, I, I think that the Texans offense is going to get on track. I talked about how the demise of the Texans offense was a bit over-exaggerated with the Hopkins, you know, trades. I thought that Cooks might still have something left in, uh, you know, in the, the gas tank. And of course, you have you know Will Fuller as well, who when he's on when Will Fuller's on the field, he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Like that's not even debatable at this point. And so we saw on Sunday how good this offense can be when everything is going. And I think that we're starting to get going. Even the week, the prior week when when O'Brien got fired, we saw some signs from Watson of like, okay, that's kind of what we saw. In the first three weeks, we didn't see Deshaun Watson. We we're like, who is this guy that's playing quarterback? And then against Minnesota, we saw two touchdowns oh, with 300 yards. Um, 
so he had you know first three hundred yard performance of the, of the week of the season on week four. Week five he goes for uh, three fifty nine, three touchdowns. Yes, two interceptions, but not the end of the world. There um, they they get Tennessee, who just absolutely uh, killed uh, the Buffalo Bills on Monday night, or on I guess it's Tuesday night on Tuesday night. But I, I, I think I think that we're it, the Texans' offense is closer to week five than it is week one to four. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it. This is this is closer to the norm than what we saw for sure the first two weeks. Those and, and obviously they're playing KC in Baltimore, so I mean that maybe tells you something. But you did see a little sign of life against Minnesota last week, but this this week finally looked like they were ready to uncork. They were ready to just kind of get it and. Um, you know, long live Romeo Cornell, man. Holy hell, that dude's been in the NFL for a million years. Uh, let's drop the interim tag from his, his coaching position. Let's not go that far, Dan. No, He's no, like no. Old. Doesn't matter. Long live <laughs> Romeo Cornell. I want him in the driver's seat forever. He uh, He's making it happen. Obviously, he's not making it happen, but you know what I mean. I, I'm, I was kind of in the mood to fully give up on Brandon Cooks, but – he just kind of always seems to be there and just puts up okay, like just good enough numbers to be like, he's probably a wide receiver too, but like this is, he's a headache. And then Will Fuller is, is like the ultimate best ball asset. Like if you had a best ball team with Will Fuller and Mike Williams on it, you might never lose a game ever because they always seem to ham and egg it. It's perfect. Yeah. I, I, I thought about putting our, our boy Mike Williams on the wire this week, but he got hurt, like on on his on his, big, on his on his big night. He got hurt making an acrobatic catch, which is his mo, um, unfortunately. Um, so hopefully he gets healthy, so we can talk about him. Continue to destroy the league. I I, I told our good friend Russell Clay uh, that if Mike Williams stayed healthy, it wouldn't be fair to the rest of the league. So he has to get hurt. If he didn't play so recklessly. And I understand that that's the allure that that's his appeal. That's the way he plays. But it's the same thing with like Gronk. If you didn't, if you didn't play so out of control, easy, you could be a world beater. And not that Gronk wasn't, but Mike Williams could legitimately be a top ten wide receiver if he didn't just do that play every freaking time because it's every catch. Every catch has to be the most difficult catch anyone's ever made ever. There we go. We'll we'll get more into Mike Williams, uh, not next week, because I think the Chargers are on a bye week. But the next time we see Mike Williams play, uh, we will talk about him. Uh, That's your Nate Dog guarantee of the week. Uh, Make sure to check Nate Dog Walks Dog on on Snapchat. Uh, And um, that's it for week five. Any last words, Dan? No, just uh, enjoy another week of chaos, and we will see you on the flippity flip. Kadosh. Stay inside, wash your hands. Kadosh. Uh, why didn't it stop recording?